Welcome to From the Deep. I am Mike the Finder, and with me, as always, is Mimsy Park. Hello. And today, we have got a fun episode, but housekeeping first, as always. If you're watching this on YouTube, I just want to remind you that we are on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the other places that you find podcasts. And, and subscribe. And, and and make sure you subscribe over there because, um, you know, we, we kind of, what we've been doing is we've been kind of uh, releasing the video episode first and then doing the audio episode, which I actually think is kind of a good idea to give the video a little bit of time to do some stuff and then release the audio episode. But if you're only listening to this on Stitcher or wherever you only listen to audio podcasts, be sure you go check out the video podcast that we do here. Um, every single episode, we record both, and you can find it on my YouTube page, which is Mike the Finder on YouTube, um, just how it sounds. Just be sure to check both because, you know, if you don't have time to watch the whole thing, which is totally understandable with everything being so crazy and, and whatever, you know, we try to cater to both at the same time. So, just need to be sure that we bring that up at the beginning of every single episode here because, you know, I, I, I still feel like not everybody knows this stuff, uh, even though I say it at the beginning of every episode. Um, I just, I'm going to keep bringing it up. So uh, either way, today we are going Hit to the be... the button and he'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, today we've got a pretty fun episode. We're going to be talking about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And as yep. always, there should be timestamps down in the description of the YouTube video and or the description of the podcast that you are listening to so that if you just don't want to hear us talk for the next half hour before we talk about this review, you can just go ahead and skip right to the movie review. Um, there's a soundboard. <laughs> I just had whoop whenever you're talking about fast forwarding. So, without further ado, uh, let's just get into this. It has the been a few weeks. <laughs> it has been a few weeks since we've done this. So, what have yes. you been up to since the last time we did one of these podcasts? Uh, I shot a beer commercial. Uh, oh, that's which cool. was fun. And then I played Elder Scrolls Online with you way too much. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's pretty much... I, I watched... Um, God, I feel like I feel like a girl that walks home alone at night was the first movie I watched in a while, but at the same time, it wasn't. I will say... Oh, oh, I know. After uh, I watched that, I watched The Changeling from 1980, and that was Ooh, just last night. That's a fun movie. I, I, I had not seen that before. I like um, that one a lot. I, uh, I, I realized one of my favorite things about these older horror movies is how much isn't blurred out. I actually put out a post. I actually put out a post recently uh, on, um, on one of my accounts. And anyway, it's, it said that the subject is part of the picture. It's not the picture. Stop using bokeh. This is so why much. I complain about modern stuff is because everything everything is blown out all the time. And right. it's because most of the movies I watch are older movies. And there's bokeh, but it's not all blown out Drowning. all the time. And, dude, there has been a couple movies. I, I can't remember any off the top of my head. But there's been a couple movies I've watched recently where it's like, only someone's eye is in focus. Their whole face isn't even in focus. And it it drives me crazy. And when mm -hmm. you watch older horror or just older movies in general, you can kind of tell that like that is not something that was happening all the time. Right. And I right. 
I still blame YouTube for this because <laughs> I don't think it's everybody just YouTube. is learning I on think, YouTube. And so I everyone think lo- thinks everything needs to be blown out all the time. I think a lot of it honestly has to do more with uh, camera technology. I feel like as DSLRs become more popular and that technology carries over into like cinema cameras, I feel like with low light, you don't have to light as well. And so using bokeh actually allows you to kind of like circumvent like some lighting yeah. rules. Well, this And so I, I, I actually think it's people's fault. <laughs> not just like, not people on YouTube, but I just feel like i don't know it feels lazy a lot of the time it is it is 100 percent lazy i agree with you when we talked about um anything for jackson this is something we brought up not everything was blown out all the time and they were just blanketing everything in light kind of the way you're supposed to do it uh rather than just blowing out the background so you don't have to light everything correctly well, and that's what I like about like you see it in a lot of horror nowadays. Uh, like the uh, the Conjuring series comes uh, comes to mind, but it's a lot of new horror where you've almost got that noir type of lighting, where like really harsh shadows almost mm-hmm. covering like half a face and stuff like that. And that's why I don't understand why like why not get creative with it? Like if you're if you're running on a budget that doesn't allow you to just flood everything in light as if it's some epic historical period piece, if you don't have that lighting setup you don't have that available why not just go with the shadows rather than just drowning it in bokeh in the background well and i mean i understand when it's you don't have you don't have the budget to have a whole bunch of really high-end lights right. i get oh, absolutely. I, I totally get it but absolutely but there are big budget hollywood films that do this too and I don't think most people pay any attention to it. That's part of it. Mm, and it right. Because we know about this stuff, we pay attention to it. And so it just drives us crazy. Whereas right. I, don't, I don't, even even people that are hardcore film buffs but don't know much about how to film stuff, I don't know if that would drive them crazy or not. I want to be ignorant again. Yeah, I want to be ignorant of this stuff again because it's it's the same thing. We we experience the same thing with music. Whenever we start getting into uh, audio production and music production, you start listening to it. And I vividly remember being in like the rave scene before I was like DJing and actually producing. And I remember enjoying it in a totally different way. And it's yeah. the same thing with this, where it's like, I'll sit there and I'll watch something. And now the worst part isn't even like doing it to me. It's you start ruining it for other people too. Yeah. Like Brittany has even said she doesn't see them the same way anymore. And I saw that there was a thing about like uh, going to film school was like, go to film school, have movies ruined for you. Start ruining movies for each for other people. That's the, well, I still think the best way to ruin anything, regardless of whether it's audio production, movies, painting, it doesn't matter what it is. The best way to ruin something for yourself and take away that magic that you initially feel of like, hey, I want to get into this is to learn right. as much about it as possible. That's why <laughs> Disneyland works at such a young age. Exactly. And that's also, speaking of Disneyland, that's also why I don't like to see rides with the lights on and like go behind the scene on on tours and stuff like that. Like I have right. no interest in that because like right. I don't want to know. I do exactly. not want to know. Exactly. So, um, but no, you're right. We have been playing a lot of ESO. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's Elder Scrolls Online. It's a MMO. Um, I've been playing that for 12 hours a day easily. 
We've been playing it since it was a beta. <laughs> yeah, we have been. Yeah, we've been playing it since 2013. Uh, but recently, we've had some friends get really into it, and so we've been playing it with them. And it's honestly why I haven't been as productive as I could be on my channel the last few weeks is because we've just been doing nothing but playing Rainbow Six and playing Elder Scrolls Online. That is like been taking up a lot of my time. And over the last few days, I've like, as literally, MMOs are want to do. Well, I've literally had to drop everything as far as video games go just to be productive on my channel the last few days. Cause if I don't just take a full day to just focus on that thing, then I will sit around and play video games for 12 hours a day. Like right. it's just what ends up happening. Um, but no, it has been fun that I've been playing more video games recently than watching movies. I haven't been watching a whole lot of stuff. I've been watching, uh, I have been going back through and watching Stranger Things. That's been the thing that I've been watching. I need to watch that. I've you never still haven't seen watched it, it at all? I've never seen it before. Interesting. Do you know anything about I, it? No, but here's oh. the thing. I don't, get, I don't get into serialized shows because I have a really hard time caring throughout an entire series like That's at a fair. certain point at a certain point i start going i don't care anymore i need something else this is why i like movies so much i get my story in uh you know two hours yeah it's also part of why i don't care about the marvel universe at all because i don't care about 28 movies yeah. like i it's, i just i just don't care well and so stranger That's let me put it I this way stranger things. stranger things is shot really well the music is done all on analog mogs and stuff so it's all super warm and it feels very 80s and it's i was gonna say it's 80s the whole show is set in the 80s yeah yeah um and the people that put it together do really well the lighting is phenomenal the the special effects are mind-blowing at times and basically the entire cast is kids and they do an amazing job like from the get-go, you don't have to think about the acting at all. These kids carry the show so well. It's got Winona Ryder in it, who I'm a big fan of. I've been a big fan of hers since I was a kid. Like, like one of the first one of the first things I saw her in was Beetlejuice, and ever since then, like for sure, big crush of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just did, like, Winona what Winona Ryder is one of those actresses where like there have been. I'm trying to think. There, there, there was there was one movie. What was it they were talking about? Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, where they make fun of it on Family Guy. That would be most good, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's had, she's definitely had some ups and downs for sure. In Stranger Things, she is phenomenal. She is right. so good. And I forget the guy's name, uh, but the guy that plays the cop in that show as well, he is like, this show is what made him blow up and I can't believe he wasn't a bigger name before this because he's just such a phenomenal actor and he just goes he? for it. I can't remember his name off huh. the top of my head. Now I got to look it up because now that's going to drive me crazy. Okay. His name is David Harbour. Um, and as far as I know, he hasn't been in a ton of stuff. And like I said, I think this really stranger things really is his like breakout role. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, you should go watch some of the stuff of, like, him. He has this speech where when they won an award, I don't remember what award it was, but he's got this speech of, like, acting can change the world. Good acting can make people feel, can make people think differently. He's I, it, The speech is phenomenal. And hmm. 
He's just like, I've watched a lot of interviews with him and he's just, he seems like a really good guy and he's a great actor. So I really suggest watching Stranger Things if you can at least watch the first season. And if it doesn't get you by the first season, then don't bother. But the first season is so insanely good that it's like, for me anyway, it's like, it's set in the eighties. It's horror related. It's got great acting. The lighting's really good. It's shot really well. The premise is dope. It's just really, really good. But if you're not into serialized television, then I can totally understand not getting into that. The, The last show I finished in its entirety was like lost. I think. Oh, wow. Was the last one. And that was, Years ago. I mean, you and I have very different opinions on how Lost ended. Um, yeah. Oh, we sure do. We sure do. <laughs> I, I uh, we, we won't go super into that because that, that would be a 45-minute conversation in and of itself. Biggest disappointment in TV history. Well, let me ask you this before we move on. Uh, have you gone and rewatched the whole thing from start to finish since you finished it? I've tried it? three times. I've really? tried to rewatch it three times. I get to season four, and when it yeah. just starts to fall off, I already know what happens later, and it's like, no, I don't care. I gave them my money already. I gave them my time. I don't, I don't care. Well, we've talked about this before. It's something that I call the Pennywise effect. Mm-hmm. Um, what you build in your head is never going to live up to the, like your expectations are never going to live up to the reality of what the showrunners and the directors, the direction that they go. They, they were writing it as they filmed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how most things work as far as TV goes. It is. Um, they do. I, I've seen. They were on set. No, I, I understand, but they do have specific points they want to hit, and and everything sort of in between is sort of up for grabs. So, but I understand where you're coming from. But anyway, I don't want to I don't want to get on a whole thing of Lost. Maybe one day we'll Fair do an enough. entire episode where like we only talk about Lost for an hour because that could we actually could. that could be kind of fun. Yeah, um, that could be fun. But anyway, um, something came out this morning that I know you wanted to talk about that. I just want to make sure we hit before we do move on because this Fair is enough. sort of right up your alley on your channel and stuff. Right. Um, and what I'm talking about is the Cruella trailer that's supposed to be coming out. I think it's May of this year. Is that right? Um, uh, yeah, May 28th, I think, is when it's coming out. And it's got Emma Stone as Cruella, um, which I think personally is a pretty good casting for her. Mm-hmm. I think... Well, here, let, let's hear your thoughts on it before we go, before I go into it here. I think that, I, I think I'm going to, let me see, how, 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 do, how do I start this? Um, uh, pers- okay, first of all, it's not a live action movie, or a live action remake, I mean, no. it is a live action movie. It is not a live action remake, which I was kind of like, okay, that's actually a redeeming quality, at least they're branching off from what they've been doing a little bit. Well, but it's at supposed the same to be like an origin story, right? It's an origin story. Exactly. Do you give a crap about how Cruella DeVille became Cruella DeVille? Not really. Do you care? <laughs> no. <laughs> no one cares. No one That's, cares. I think my biggest issue with this is that when I realized, oh, this isn't a 101 Dalmatian story. This is no. a Cruella origin story. I think I, that might be why I don't watch it. 
I feel like my biggest, and I did say, because I am going to be doing a review on this, and I did say that, you know, I, I am going to watch it because it's not fair to bash the trailer and then not go watch the movie. So I am going to go yeah. watch the movie, just to be fair. But, but, this is the same issue. This is the same issue I had with the Joker movie, with Joaquin Phoenix. I thought Joker was a great movie. It was a crap Joker movie. It was a crap Joker movie, and it's this effort to dehumanize a character whose biggest appeal is that there isn't an explanation for their insanity, and that's one of the coolest things about them. That was my biggest issue with Joker, and it's the issue I have here, because from just from the trailer, you can see that there's this, like, personal thing she's gonna have to overcome at some point. And it's because it's the easiest way to humanize a character is to give them some obstacle to overcome where I think it would be much more fun to go, there's no explanation, she's just a lunatic, let's watch her be a lunatic. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I did not see the Joker movie specifically for that reason. I heard nothing but good things about it and how it's shot really well. The clips I have seen, the color grade looks really cool. The lighting yeah. looks dope. Yeah. Like technically, said, it movie. Looks, yeah, technically, it looks like a good movie. I don't care about it, though. Like, I right. am not a Batman guy. I have never Fair been enough. a Batman guy. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I, I also am not a huge fan of Joaquin Phoenix's movies in the past. Like, her, oh, no. her was good. Her was yeah. really, really good. I really enjoyed her. Um, who's amazing in gladiator other than that. See, I don't, uh, that's, eh. I, I liked it, but it's not like, it's not one of those things oh. where I'm like gladiator. Yes. Oh yeah. Like, no gladiator is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Fair enough. See, but I, I've just not seen him in enough things where he has blown me away where I was like, I must see Joker. Right. Um, but I think you're right. Giving Joker a backstory and like this whole, like, I don't know. I think it's the backstory you give him. It's not even giving him a backstory because you could give Joker this backstory of like what you see in a lot of like actually psychotic serial killers where there's this like horrible dark background. You're dealing with a serial, a psychotic serial killer. That's who he is as a villain. You give him this like, and you're going to go dark with it, but your darkness is that what? He's got depression? (laughs) Like that's what it is. Like, like and if you look like, at like, how do a lot we of, appeal to millennials? Give exactly, him depression. Exactly. <laughs> Give him depression. It's like uh, I don't need to. Why would you want to? You shouldn't want to relate to the Joker. That's not a person you should want to relate to yeah. and feel empathy for. That's, so. Why are you doing other than to show that I can make a movie where we can do that from a viewer and a fan perspective? It's not something that fits because it doesn't make sense from a fan perspective. Well, let me let me flip that on its head a little bit. Um, I liked Batman Begins more than the two sequels. It's because um, you're a lunatic. Well, you're a madman. No, I thought to be fair. This was before everybody had to have this grounded, realistic backstory. Right. Um, and so Batman Begins was like one of the first ones to do that, I feel like. Right. And I, when I watched it, to be fair, also again, I saw it in a dollar theater three months after it had come out. So <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it. I feel um, like Batman is the perfect superhero, though, to give him this like grounded story. Right. 
but he really is because I mean he's just a guy. I mean, granted, he's got money, but he's it's the same reason why Bruce Willis and Die Hard works so well because it's like this everyman superhero. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. I still have you, not seen Die Hard. You, you've never watched Die Hard? Nope. I've never like, seen Rambo until a couple months ago. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have Schwarzenegger in it. Why would I watch it? Die Hard, no, Die Hard is <laughs> just like a good movie, though. It's just, it's well written. It's well made. It, as well as being yeah. that like macho superhero kind of action I have movie. heard it's good. And, yeah. and it is on my list of movies to review on my channel. Never um, watched Die Hard. We're going to talk about Alone and a Girl that Walks Alone in I mean, okay, we'll get it. We'll get I'm into just that. Kidding. I'm just kidding. Fair <laughs> enough. No, 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 that's fine. Um, but anyway, but, going, going back to Cruella here, I think you're right, though. I don't need her backstory. I don't. Mm -mm. The thing that makes her creepy and scary is that I don't know a whole lot about her. And right. when you add all of this plot to her backstory, it sort of takes away the mystique of, of oh, she's just this horrible person that hates bodies. Right, right. What? <laughs> and that's the other thing. Okay, I saw this. I, I, I can't claim for this to be an original idea because I did see this in the comments. But they were talking about how they're going to make her out to be this, like, super villain and we But we all know, if you've seen the movie, that she gets taken down by puppies covered in coal dust. <laughs> That's how she meets her end, but we're supposed to buy into this whole she's a supervillain genius that works her way up to the top of society because you can see that in the trailer. She's going to these, like, party. Well, and that could be inaccurate. Who knows? Haven't seen the movie yet, but it's just... Who cares? Like you could have made it fun. They already did the the hundred the remake they did in like what was it ninety six with mm -hmm. Glenn Close yep. was so good, and yeah. that is more about Cruella Deville than it is about the puppies. And it was still fun. She's creepy and she's psychotic, but it's still fun and it's still got that like Disney aspect to it. This is just them going. Well, Marvel did really well. <laughs> Let's I, do that again. That's the biggest issue I have with it is that you're taking this kid's villain and you're flipping it on its head so hard that this movie seems dark. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't need a, a dark 101 Dalmatians universe. That's not something I need in my life. But I will say it does seem like they're going to try to turn this into a whole series and I guarantee so everything's you get, a series now. We get 101 Dalmatians down the line where it's super dark and super realistic. And it's going to be shot like the Lion King movies where it's realistic and it's a live action, but it's not a live action. And I try to keep like every time I sit there and I go, why are they doing this to me? <laughs> I have to remember that they wouldn't keep doing this if it didn't work. They wouldn't keep dumping nine figures into a production if it wasn't working. That's true. So, to which I say, stop making this work. Please stop making this work. Yeah, you're right. If the, Well, and I think with the whole Disney Plus thing being on every TV in America, it seems like at this point. Yep. They're just going to release it on there. It'll do really well. I'm still not sure how they make their money back putting it onto a streaming service. I have no idea how that works. 
but it's got to it's got to work somehow. Actually, didn't they uh, yeah. put Mulan on there and you had to pay like an extra ticket price in order to see it? Did you? Not free, but yeah, I didn't. I, I, maybe when it released, maybe when it released. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I yeah. think that when it first came out, the first like month or whatever, you had to pay a specific price in order, plus your Disney Plus thing to get access. Well, this is getting a theatrical release. Oh, is it? Yeah, this is getting a theatrical release in oh. May. Well, it's supposed to get a theatrical release in May. I'm still not comfortable going to a theater. I'm dying Absolutely to go to not. one. I'm dying to go to a theater, but I am ah. still not comfortable with it. I do miss My going social to anxiety won't allow me to enjoy theaters. I just no, can't. I, Unless I go at late at night on a Monday. Well, that's that's yeah, that's the ticket right there. Is yeah. you got to you got to go like at a time where no one else is there and right. it's the greatest experience ever. But right, when, exactly. if you go like on a Friday night and the whole stupid theater is filled up with people, that's I'm the part totally people right love, there though. with you. People love that though. People, I, I see people online talking all the time. I love going, I miss seeing the Marvel movies in theaters because everyone's on the same page. And I know I'm just sitting in there and it's just that uncomfortable, like it's almost like I'm sitting there waiting for somebody to just be one of those movie talkers. Cause there's always one in the theater. And I know I, I I know how that sounds out loud because I just heard it come out of my <laughs> mouth. But it's just again, it's that social anxiety thing where I need there to be like three people in this theater, Max. Three people. My, my thing is the candy wrappers and the chewing. That it, oh really oh it, it I gets suddenly to me feel better so about hard. Mine. It gets to me so hard and. But that's the thing is like when I can walk into a theater and there's four other people in there, it's not a big deal. But when it's a full theater, all I hear is candy wrappers and people chewing and straws big, going up and down through the plastic lids. And Not a big ASMR fan, are you? No. No, I am not. <laughs> um, what's funny about that is I've run an ASMR channel. That's that's what's really funny. Um, and anybody that wants to see that, uh, you can go to my homepage and it's linked to my other channel on my homepage on YouTube. Um, and it is not like a me, me whispering into my mic. That's not what it but, is. It's a it's a video game scenery quote ASMR channel. Um, it's that really is more the most about selfless plug I have ever <laughs> heard. Your shameless plug I have ever heard you do. You I don't like me. Don't out. you dare edit that out. <laughs> I don't you dare edit that out. But yes, that is the most <laughs> shameless plug I have ever heard you do. <laughs> That's really funny. Thank you. Thank you. Bravo! So, any other thoughts here on Cruella before we move on? Uh, I, 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 th yeah, I, I, I think, uh, screw it. I, I, I think we all know I'm not gonna. <laughs> You're. Dude, oh, wait. I'll this wait. This webcam app is atrocious. Is. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's gonna be disappointing. Um, but as I, as I said before, they wouldn't keep doing it if it wouldn't, if it didn't work. Yep. Um, I just don't know why it's working. I just, I, I don't know why it's working, but again, most people aren't going to watch these for any groundbreaking aspect. They're going in to see a character that they think they know, and they're going to go watch a movie about a character they don't know. The sad part is it's the same character. Well, let me tell you why it doesn't work for us. We're film snobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, what it is. No, that's true. You're right. You're right. No, I, and, and I do get that. I do get that, and I do try to keep that in mind. But at the same time, 
movies used to be an art form and they still are it's just it, it's kind of a big budget hollywood thing that it's more of a business than an art form yeah. and i get that and i know that but that doesn't mean i have to like it well i think i think the problem is that it used to be both and now it's one. Exactly. Exactly. You, I, that is one of the biggest points I made in the review that I did. And I'm so glad you said that because I feel the exact same way. Yeah. It used to be both a business and art. And now right. it's just a business. And right. putting a bunch of, like, it's, it goes back to what um, Ian McKellen said whenever he was doing uh, Gandalf, right? Um, he didn't get into acting to sit in front of a green screen and talk to a tennis right. ball. Like, right. That's the biggest issue I have with stuff is that it's just, it doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel real. Nothing feels, there's a really, there's this really like intimate feeling in like a Scorsese movie or, or a Tarantino movie or, or something like that. It feels really intimate Spielberg. and real. And I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that, but no, it feels really, it feels really intimate. And I don't get that from huge, big box office stuff. It's one of the reasons no. I don't like Marvel. When you and I tried to sit down and watch that Marvel movie. For 20 just, minutes. We tried it, for 20 minutes. Dude, all it, it took. felt like I was watching a roller coaster. Like it really yeah. did. It goes back to what Scorsese said about the Marvel movies. They're, they're entertainment. They're not art. And that's, right. and, and, and again, we're film snobs. So that's, that's a huge part of this. And yeah. Well, I, I, it, to say it's not art is pretty subjective, but yeah, it's that's still, true. it is yeah. how I feel as well. Yeah, me too. So, well, because we're talking about big box office stuff, let's go in the complete opposite direction here. And we are going to get into our main review with A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> okay. So a girl walks home alone at night. <laughs> For those of you that are just listening, Brett has transformed into <laughs> a artsy black and white sunglass wearing fur robe adorned. <laughs> he just looks so ridiculous. He just looks so ridiculous. <laughs> Fashion is art too, Mike. Brett is now in black and white, wearing giant circle, circular sunglasses, smoking a cigarette in a gigantic well, that's because, fur robe. That's because <laughs> this movie was so elegant. It changed me. Oh God! It changed me, and the very mention of it has elevated me. <laughs> so, okay, again, today we're going to be talking about a girl walks home alone at night. Um, she sure did. I have had this film on my shelf for, I don't know, two or three years, probably. Um, this film is from, I want to say 2014. Is that right? Yes. Um, I think that it's 2014. Correct. Um, it is in black and white. It's Iranian. So you can see why. I mean, it's clearly better. <laughs> this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this all day. So, okay. So this is a film by Anna Lily Armipur. I don't know how to say her name. Um, And that is going to be a recurring theme throughout this review, I think. 
Uh, like yeah. I said, this is an Iranian film. And so um, I have... We're American. What do you want from us? I have zero experience um, speaking Iranian. I don't... Uh, so I, uh, I think it was actually um, a, several different nationalities, but I did see that the... I could be totally wrong on this, but I did read that the uh, predominant language is uh, Persian. Persian. Okay. Um, so I just read that. Don't. Yeah, we have zero experience in not only Persian but Iranian films or any of that stuff. So keep that in mind as we talk about this movie. Um, now, before we get into this, I gave you a choice between A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and Francesca. Um, Francesca. Francesca. What did I say? Seska. Okay, whatever. Regardless, so I gave you I gave you a choice between this and that, and and Francesca Francesca is um, <laughs> did it again immediately. Francesca is um, is like a faux Italian giallo movie, right? Um, and it tries to sort of look like a seventies Italian giallo movie, and right. and this is a black and white foreign film, and right. so Better. last week or the last time we did one of these rather. Um, you forced me to watch Star Wars. Yeah. And, you know, I had sort of jokingly said that, like, I was going to get you back and, like, make you watch the most horrible thing ever. And I had, yeah. I really had no intention of doing that. Um, but I did want to give you a choice between two different movies that are kind of art housey. Way out of my alley. Right. And, and that, was, that was the main thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of make you watch an art house film. And... That is why uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, it, it hits all those boxes, right? Um, oh, totally. It's black and Absolutely. white. It's foreign. It's totally not up your alley. I don't think it's something you ever would have watched on your no. own. No, uh, it, de it definitely isn't. I, um, I, and it's not with, it's not for some like snarky hate. Oh yeah. No, this is, this isn't going away. I'm sorry. Um, I'm laughing. This, it is black and white. <laughs> if you're just listening, you need to pop over at least and see what he's dressed as and what his camera looks like right now. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, but anyway, so no, I, um, I never got into art house movies, not out of some like, disdain for them but just because uh, i never read a story that was considered art house that really like caught my attention right that i would really enjoy there that i thought i would really enjoy i'm gonna lift these up those are giving me a headache um <laughs> <laughs> the sunglasses are giving me a headache um so I, I, that that was really why i never really like dove into art house movies now there is this preconception about art house movies about them just being weird pretentious for sake, nonsense yeah pretentious nonsense yeah. and i will say before not getting way too ahead of ourselves i will say there are a couple scenes and a couple <laughs> shots in this where i went that's why i don't watch a lot of art house movies i assume you're talking about the girl with the balloon uh, <laughs> i am talking about the okay. girl with the we'll, balloon we'll get there i just wanted to make sure that's what you were talking about yes um, okay uh, so a couple other things too that we'll get to so i want to hear your synopsis of this movie so basically what I took away from this movie, um, I, I, I feel like it took away what I wasn't, I, I didn't take away what I feel like other people took away, which was you have a story about this, um, uh, actually it's, never mind. Okay. We'll get to that. Um, you, you basically have this, the, the, this guy that's living in this town and he's being, bad city. Uh, 
Uh, Bad City, that's right. Thank you, thank you. You have, you have, it's basically about the goings on of this female vampire in a place called Bad City. Now, I, um, in, in, it's apparently supposed to have like feminist undertones because there's, you do have a female vampire and the only people she seems to attack are men that disrespect or do something bad to women. Right. Um, I gotta say, I think they did so well with the feminist aspect of this simply because you could recognize that there was this feminist message behind it without it being this forced down your throat, overpowering element in the movie. I agree. Because uh, I feel like you get a lot of these movies that have have this feminist message. And I want to say I mean feminist message in a very matter-of-fact way because I feel like the words feminism, feminist, feminized, they have this like negative connotation because... Because of what we have forced down our throats in like mainstream media, but that just those terms being applied to something doesn't make them bad, right. or it doesn't denote a negative message. And I feel like that happens a lot. And I feel like they did such a good job with this because in a lot of movies that try to do that, they, they it almost has this vibe of like all men are like this bad guy. Yeah. And this was more like these male characters are this way, and you're rooting to see them gone. Well, here, bef- before we get too much into that, continue the synopsis here real quick just so we okay. can we can get a jumping off point here. And so 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 basically you have you have this female vampire and I mean at at a borderline at a base synopsis it's about the doings of this young female vampire in a place called Bad City where bad things are happening. I think more than that it's uh, more than that it's about this Central character, uh, uh, Arash, I think is his name. Yeah. Yep. And he's got uh, this this bad home life with his dad. His mom's dead. And he's kind of just, it's kind of about him going through this city and his backstory meshing with this uh, vampire that lives there that we don't know how long she's been there. And that's really what the main story is about, is about Arash dealing with this crap with his dad and this female vampire going through the town and sucking blood from yeah, people. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I I could be wrong here, but I took away that his mother um, is actually the prostitute. Um, am I wrong about that? I didn't get that. You didn't get that? I didn't get that. Um, but that's the other thing about our house movies. A lot is left to interpretation. Well, I think, I, I can't remember if they straight out say it or not, but I... I I vaguely remember, I watched this a few days ago, so my, my memory of it could be wrong here, but I remember the mother, um, the pictures that are in the picture frames in the dad's place or in Arash's and and the, and the father's house, um, is the prostitute and she left him. Um, that's what I took away from it. Uh, somebody correct us if we're wrong there, uh, or if I'm wrong So she left him. I see. That's that's what I think happened, which is why later on in the movie he goes back to her and and all of that stuff. So I think that's that's what it is. I just missed that. Um, Again, if I'm wrong there, somebody drop a comment down below. Let me know. Um, But but yeah, Arash's dad is addicted to heroin and is pretty much a junkie, and he's getting his heroin from this guy. I don't think we ever get his name, but the guy with sex tattooed across his neck. Um, uh, fun fact, the tattoo on his head means pimp. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. So, 
So anyway, this guy is supplying Arash's father with um, with heroin, and his dad is a complete and total junkie. Arash is a gardener, and he meets this girl while he's gardening. He steals these earrings um, in order to pay off his father's debt so that he can get his car back. And I don't know, man. What do you? What do you? Let's just start off by overall thoughts here. What did you think of this movie? Because I, again, I know this isn't totally up your alley. This is way more my no. kind of film than it is yours. But I'm curious to know what your overall sort of thoughts are here. I think it gets points for originality first and foremost. Um, this is a. I, it was not regardless of how I felt about it as a movie. I have to give it credit for being a semi-original idea. Right. Um. The I know it was categorized as a Western. I don't really know how it falls into that category, but it's I mean, it's it's something that got dumped. It's, it's it was called like an Iranian Western vampire movie, basically, which that in of itself just sounds like some art house nonsense. <laughs> yeah, to I don't me. know if I quite agree with that. Right. OK, so I did. But again, it's it, it's got the cinematography and it's really good. It's um, and, uh, it's incredible. Let's not skip past that. It's incredible. It's, there, it the is incredible. framing in this movie throughout the whole thing. There's a few right. Dutch angles that I have a few issues with here and there, but that's just because I don't like Dutch angles. I feel like that was a throwback to the noir. Genre, right. Though. And that that's really what it is. It's it's trying to be pulp and noir and like that right. whole thing. Um, but the cinematography is mind blowing through the yeah. whole thing and yeah. the lighting that you have to, that you, that you were kind of forced to do when in black and white. I mean, look at you right now. It took a little bit of effort to get you to kind of look like this. Um, I'm so happy when, with you too. <laughs> when you're in black and white lighting is so, so important. And yeah. the fact that this is the Light, director's. Like the fact that this is the director's directorial debut is right. mind blowing. Right. It is so well put together and everything fits so well. The location scouting that went on for this movie fits the vibe so well. And at the very beginning, it, like just to set the tone when Arash is, is trying to get his cat back and he walks past this ditch of, of dead people. And it's just, it sets this tone of like hopelessness and utter uh, these utter feelings of just, it's very alien. Yeah. And it's just really depressing. And and I can see why somebody wouldn't be into that. Um, right. But I feel like, by the way, I, I feel like I need to point this out. The dad is the taxi driver from How I Met Your Mother. Um, is <laughs> I don't he know really? If, I don't know if you caught on to that or not. Um, I didn't. But he he is great in this. There's a couple scenes where it's a little over the top when he's like freaking out and like, you did this to me and throwing the pictures yeah. on the ground and stuff. Right. Um, but he's the taxi driver from Hello. The You know what I'm talking about? The, I, I do know what I you're talking about. I forget his name and how I, I met your mother. It, I, feel like it was, I feel like it started with an R. I, I can't I, remember. I, but... Uh, Hello. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he's him. he's fantastic in this. The acting is stupid good. Even though I don't understand a single word that's coming out of anybody's mouth, right? I believe it. And yeah. it's I think more this than a vampire shot in LA, by the way. Was it really? It was I, shot I did in see LA. a few palm trees where I was like, I don't I can't tell if that's LA or actually in Iran. I saw a couple. Uh, I I, I want to say it was the lead guy, the guy that plays Arash, um, is actually from 
L.A. Interesting. And, which says so much about what went into really making this accurate, if not accurate, at least culturally with the Middle Eastern aspect, but at least to really take you out of where it was filmed. Like, you don't get to film in L.A. and not have it at least look American most of the time. Yeah. And this looks like, I don't, I've, I've been to L.A. recently, and it doesn't look like a lot of the area, I don't live out there, but it doesn't look like a lot of the areas you normally see there. Now, a lot of it's in the desert. It's pretty Well, I was going to say, there, there, are pl- there are tons of places in the greater L.A. area that look like this. Now right. that you've said that, like I said, I did see palm trees in several shots, especially right. that shot of the um uh, of the all the corpses in the um in the whole ravine and stuff there are a right. lot of palm trees in the background and that that like at that moment I was like I wonder if this was shot in California it was like Barstow um yeah probably but there are a ton of places in the greater LA area that do look like that but the factory and and just the overall all the streets and everything mm-hmm. else they did such a good job of not making it look like California I feel like my biggest issue with the cinematography, and I do not want it to over... Um, I don't want it to drown out the fact that I did love the cinematography. There are certain points, though, where they go way over the top with these anamorphic flares. Yeah. Like, there's a couple shots where I'm that. just like... It's, it's just way over the top. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was done, again, as that, like... This is artistic, man. And well, it's like... Yeah, but, again, again, I could, I could just be being cynical but at the same point it just it felt a little over the top in there were a few scenes that way but it wasn't a lot and i'm not saying the use of them at all was too much i'm saying there's just a couple scenes where i'm just like it's almost the way i feel about boca where it's like listen we all love anamorphic flares but dial it back a little lyle that's his name the dp's name was uh lyle i i actually thought that how artsy the cinematography is, it's used in such a good way to tell the story. And it's actually kind of impressive that they were able to use almost every shot in this could be just a picture, like a actual photo that someone took and, and you would look at it and go, that is a fantastic photo that it's like that through the entire film. And it's actually really impressive how it doesn't get in the way of the story that it's telling. That's, I think, what impressed yeah, me the most true. is that's true. every shot is artsy, but it doesn't get in its own way. Right. And that's, I, I think part of why I love this film so much is that it is artsy and it is about a vampire, but underneath all of that, it's a love story. Like it is Arash and what is her name? The vampire's name. I can, I, I the don't girl. It's just a girl. I know the girl. It is the I girl. Think, I I th- I think that's what it's accredited as is the girl. Okay. Well, the girl and Arash. I. It's a love story, and yeah. Toward the end, I want to touch on the end here real quick before we move on because this is the last five minutes of this movie. I got to a point where he sees the cat in her apartment. And every, all of these pieces click together of like, oh, she killed my dad. And right. he starts putting all of these pieces together. And we, we, sh- we should say spoilers, I guess. Um, I guess, although that is sort of, I guess it's, it's from 2014. Do we really need to do, we really need to do that? I, I, I don't it, know. I, put it in the description of the video. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, 
But when he starts to put all these pieces together and when they get into the car to drive away, I, w- I literally thought to myself, the next three minutes is going to make or break this film for me. If, if he walks away from this girl because of what happened, even though throughout the entire movie, he sort of has this disdain and almost hatred for his father and everything that his dad has been putting him through. Um, if he lets that get in the way of how he feels about this girl and he actually walks away, I don't think I would have liked it as much as I did. Oh, I, I feel the exact opposite. I thought you might. <laughs> I feel the exact opposite because because it is such an unrealistic reaction to you murdered my father. It's so, it's it's so unrealistic, and it, and the reason that bothers me so much is because this movie is so believable up until that point for me. Right. For me, I won't say altogether because this is the thing. This is one of the things that I think really came out of this for me was. Um, um, really showing me what parts of a movie I appreciate when you strip away all the polish. And it made me realize that like up up until that point, I was right on board. But once you get to the point of he realizes you murdered my dad, I also felt like this whole scene where he's figuring it out is super drawn out. Like, not not to the point where it ruined the scene for me or anything like that. Right. But at a certain point, I'm sitting here going like, Dude, do you get it or do you not get it? Do you get it? Okay, good. You get it. Okay, good. 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 You got it. And so it's just that I will say there is that really tense scene afterwards where they're in the um they're in the car in the desert and, and it's just he stops this, and gets out of the car and is like and, trying to figure out if this is something he can get past. Yeah. And I love this scene because you can see the dilemma without ever seeing his face. And that's the other thing. There's not a word spoken about it. Like you, you get all of this emotion from that scene and there's not a single word spoken. Right. Now I will say, uh, Brittany and I were laughing our asses off at the cat in this last scene. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, now I don't think it ruined it for me. I will say it took away a little bit from what I, I don't think it hit me as hard because the whole time I'm just watching this cat just. <laughs> That's funny. And he's just this little chonkers right there in the, on the back dashboard. So I feel like that took away a little bit, but at the same time I was going in and out because there were moments where that cat is staring right into the camera mm-hmm. and they're not looking at each, even at each other. And I really think it was an improv contrast between that go, just going on in the scene in general. I don't think that was supposed to happen, but because it was going on, I was going in and out of like, I'd be laughing and then the cat's staring and it's like, I'm laughing because I know it's looking at the camera, <laughs> like from a behind the scenes standpoint, I know what's going on, but it looking in the camera while they're not even looking at each other, it's, it was just this weird contrast. And I don't know if they meant for that to happen, but it was, it was really cool. But I know I totally get what you're saying. That cat is sort of in the way as far as emotional punch there at the end. Um, Oh, oh, I have to say this because I will I will totally forget. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. But there is a part where that cat is being held. And I want to say it was it's I can't remember what scene it is. But there is a scene in this movie where that cat is being held. And 
the focus puller, the AC on this movie, as soon as that that cat just looks directly into the lens, and you can tell he he or she just pulls right onto that cat as soon as they look in, and the whole thing you can tell it was improv that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> And I'm just sitting here going, as somebody who's seen people that can pull and who can't pull correctly, the AC just nailed it on that part. And it was, and it's not something you would normally notice unless it's like something you will notice. But it's just something that I really did notice. So if the AC of this movie ever hears, I want you to know, bravo. <laughs> there are a few, there are a few focus moments in this movie where I was just like, oh my God, that was really well done. Yeah. Um, going yeah. back to the impact of the end here though. Um, I feel like you said it might be a little unrealistic and you were up to, you were with it up until a point where he decides it's okay that she like killed his dad or whatever. Um, because here, it seems like he cares. Well, here's, here's my thing. Um, I feel like what I took away from that scene is that she set him free, or at least he feels like she set him free. He no longer has a reason to stay in bad city. And right. so the moment he pieces everything together, he's already decided that they, that he wants to take her and leave bad city and to leave everything behind because his dad's dead. And when he figures that out, I think it actually makes him, He's hesitant at first. Otherwise he wouldn't pull over in the desert and like freak out for a moment and try to figure right. out if this is something he can get past. But the way I took it was she actually set him free and that eventually he comes to terms with the fact that he can, he can live with this because he cares about her more than the vile, absolute horrible life that he had been living in bad city because of it. And she was the one that let that happen. I don't know if maybe I'm nuts here. I don't know if you took got no, that at all. That's I, I, again. That's the, that's really the thing that's both cool and I don't want to say infuriating, but I mean, it's just something that's cool about this movie is that a lot is left to interpretation. Now, yeah. I, I, I I have mixed feelings about that because a good story is supposed to have a conclusion, and there isn't supposed to be a ton left to interpretation, in my opinion. But again. That's my opinion. So this is one of the reasons I like art house movies so much. Um, I, in real life, you don't get conclusions. And that's one of my favorite things about stuff like um, just art house movies in general. I was going to name a bunch, but just art house movies in general, in real life, you don't always get a conclusion. And yes, to, to be a well-told story or whatever, you need a setup uh, a whole, you need the whole thing. You need the, the structure of a well-told movie. Um, and that doesn't necessarily exist in this, but one of my favorite things is a, he never finds out she's a vampire. That's it's never talked about. She never shows him. It's that's right. It's, I didn't even think about that. It's not even brought up even a little bit. And it is a huge part of this story, but it's not, Oh my God, she's a vampire and she goes out and she kills people. Like it's just sort of coincidental to the love story that's being told. And it's well, not about like is... a vampire. It's about right. this, this girl and this guy falling in love and leaving this horrible, awful place. Right. Well, that that's the thing. And, and again, I, I the, this is a movie that actually makes you start like thinking about like how you look at movies because or uh, how you just kind of look at things in general because you could look at it as it's about this girl vampire in Bad City or it's about this dude Arash 
in Vampire City or in Bad City. And so you, 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 depending on who you think is the predominant character in the story, I feel like it's kind of telling on just perspective in general. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's, let's go back just a little bit here, um, to, to the pretentious art house stuff that you did have a problem with. Okay. So there's, the, the, there's, <laughs> There's only really a couple. Okay. There's only really a couple. Uh, Because don't get me wrong, this movie reeks of art house from start to finish. But that's the point. Um, That that is the whole thing. Absolutely. 100%. First thing, this chick with the balloon. (laughs) I feel like that is the only scene in this film that doesn't need to be there. There is nothing, and this this is where I come in. This is where my problem with art house movies. Let me put my water down. This is where I come into a problem with art house movies is because it's this whole, it's that pretentious. Well, this is what I meant to say, and this is the message I meant to get across. And it's not up to me how it's received, because I know this scene meant something to someone who made the stupid movie. One hundred percent stupid movie. Yeah. This scene meant something. Thing to the story from somebody's perspective, but I hate to tell it to you. When you're making a movie, the audience needs to know what's going on. <laughs> it has to be received in a certain way. Otherwise, we get to a conversation like this where we go, huh? Yeah. And so that that's really the issue I have. And I was honestly, I was expecting more of that in this. Um, but this is really the only, it, it was that, and then, and we can come back to that scene, but and the other thing was the overuse of establishing shots of the mining, uh, of the oil rigs. See, like, I actually really like that. I think it sets cool the tone. Shots. It's very David Lynch. Right. Like, right. it's no, 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 very no. David Lynch. It sets the tone, but once that tone is set, I don't need more of that. It doesn't do anything at that point except give you a cool shot to I, look I'm at. I'm not sure I agree. I, I feel like... They're telling this story within Bad City, but without continuing to show Bad City and why these people are in this circumstance because this place is so awful, the more you show the factory, the more hopelessness you get. The more crap that is being pumped into the air by those funnels, the more hopeless and the more sad and depressing it becomes. And it's and it is establishing shots, but it's more than just establishing the location. It's also establishing why all of these people are in the circumstances that they're in. And so but I feel like they do that well with the plant scene where they're at the plant. And that and that's my point. It's, it's not that these scenes are in there to show where they're at. It's that they're establishing shots that there's no interaction going on. There's nothing in uh, the I mean, you could say that the city itself is a character. I'm sure that's a thing. And but <laughs> but it's, it, it's the plant. The plant scene is actually a prime example of that because you're showing the decrepitness of this place. You're showing the industrialization. Mm -hmm. of this place that they're in but you're showing the characters within that when you show an establishing shot of some mining rigs and other than it's setting a tone once that tone is set and you show them again the next time you show that or insinuate at it it needs to show the living minutiae of the movie in that environment otherwise it's just a shot that you put in there In my opinion. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure I agree. I think the more you show it in this specific instance, I feel like in maybe in a different film, you're 100% right. But in this movie in particular, um, 
I feel like it further reinforces why everyone is in the position that they're in. And the more you show it, the more it reinforces that idea that all of these people are not, they're not just horrible people. And some of them are, but they are in this circumstance because they're in the place that they're in. And again, it might be pretentious, but it is, it is that bad city is a character in this movie. That is what, that is what it is. And you can't have these people going around like you, you show a couple establishing shots at the beginning of of the industrial areas and stuff like that. And then you never show that again. I feel like you may forget why these people are doing the things that they're doing. They're doing it they because do they're doing it because the area that they're in and because there's almost forced into these situations because of where they live. So that's, I mean, that's fair, but that's what I'm saying is they do do that by with, with the plant scene. Like that is a great example of doing that and have it not just be an establishing shot. So I don't know why that couldn't have been done again. But well, again, I mean, there's only one scene in the, at the plant though. Like when they meet up at right. The, right there and when she sort of walks away from him and stuff like that, which by the way, <laughs> the stuff that went into getting that train to hit right at the right moment. Ugh. Like, <laughs> It's a great shot, but all I could think when I saw that was the logistics of getting that stupid train right at the right timing in that shot. They're going to have a train schedule. They're going to have a train schedule. And so I would imagine you still have to hit all of the marks in order to get that train to hit right when it does. And it it fits perfectly, but that's it's regardless. That's just what, where my brain went when I saw that scene of like the logistics that went into getting that train into that shot right at that moment. Ugh. Right. No, it's, it's, it, well, it is, it, it's funny you say that because my brain went to, I wonder how much it costs to rent a train. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's also that <laughs> stuff too. Right. But, um, anyway, so I loved this movie. This could not be more up my alley. Yeah. It's black and white. It's foreign. It's subtitled. You and I had a conversation before we started recording of, um, having mixed feelings on subtitled movies, um, in some films, it really takes away from your enjoyment, especially of the cinematography and the lighting and the technical aspects of mm-hmm. a film. Um, I was kind of worried for the first five to 10 minutes of this film that I was like, Oh, this is going to be really subtitle heavy. And I'm going to spend my entire time reading rather than watching this movie. Um, but I feel like about 10 or 15 minutes in, I kind of forgot that that's what was happening. Right. And, and I sort of was able there, uh, this movie's not super dialogue heavy. So that's part of it. No. Yeah. That, that, that I actually mentioned that to Brittany. I was like this, the, the subtitles work in this because there's more to focus on than the dialogue. And that's, I think, but you telling me that this was shot in LA. Um, that's interesting because it is subtitled. Now, that's interesting because this movie is not super dialogue heavy. So I feel like going into this, they were actually, they were thinking about the audience, not just being a foreign audience, but also being a domestic audience here of Mm -hmm. how do we make this work both domestically and worldwide? And so I, I think it just rides the perfect line of having subtitles, but the reason it's shot so well is to give you something else to focus on because there's not a ton of dialogue. And the the better you shoot this, the more it reinforces the idea of, again, the, the, the overall vibe of the film, but, but also allowing the audience, especially domestically here in America, 
to be drawn into this movie, even though there's not English being spoken. Right. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't normally get into uh, a lot of subtitled movies for all the reasons you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really thought, I feel like it was more just like somebody made a movie that they wanted to keep to their culture and they did a really good job of making sure they involved people from that. But like, if you look at the credits, you've got a lot of people that you can tell are obviously American names or at least like English culture names. And so I think it was just really cool that everything that was represented on screen, really, they, they, they really put a painstaking amount of effort into making sure that it looked the way they wanted it to do from fr- from the Iranian standpoint cuz like I said when I when I read it was in, in filmed in LA I had to go like actually dig into that because yeah. I was like I don't actually believe that That's really interesting start, it really is And then I, I started looking at these characters, these people that are on screen, and I'm like, a lot of them are, like, born in L.A. Like, they're American-born citizens, and they still went through this effort to do all this, which also brings up, you know, like, I haven't heard these people talk, but it makes me wonder, like, did they have to go, like, really dial in accents? Did they really have to go dial in language and everything like that? And yeah. Which, again, just adds to how much effort that they really put into making sure this was spot on. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I love this film. I really, really love this film. Um, <laughs> let's I go. Liked it. I, I would like to continue to have a 30 or 40 minute conversation about this, which we totally could, but we're, we're reaching our time limit here. Um, what would you rate this movie? I'd give it like a seven out of 10. Wow. That's I'd give it like a seven okay. out of 10. Um, um, my, 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 my rating system sucks. <laughs> Because uh, I don't really know. It's so arbitrary. My, my, my brain goes 7 out of 10. Fine. Yeah. See. <laughs> great. Awesome. Um, but so, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe 6 out of 10. I don't know. What wow. would you? What, something around. six six 6.5 out of 10. Okay. There we go. 6.5 out of 10. I didn't like it. I, I mean, I, I liked it. Um, there was, it, it, again, though, it's not. This is not the type of movie I would normally get into. Right. Um, I can still appreciate it. Um, I can also still hate certain aspects of it, like the lady dancing with the balloon. And it's, but again, it wasn't full of what I expected an art house movie to be. Just like if I ever get around to watching a Giallo, I'm sure it'll be full of elements that I wasn't expecting it to actually be full of. Have you never watched a Giallo before? Never seen a Giallo. We're going to change that. We're going to change. I don't, I don't, I don't super get into foreign films, right? Not because I have any issue with foreign films. In fact, uh, it's actually a dilemma I have because seriously, subtitles take away an immense amount of a movie for me. Like they really, really do. Subtitles have ruined movies that would probably be great for me because I'm spending, I'm sitting there the whole time reading this little, the text at the bottom when all this is going on on screen. And I feel like I'm missing so much that I don't even end up bothering with it. I mean, yeah. it's my issue with a lot of horror movies. There are so many Korean horror movies. It looks so cool Yeah. that I just, if there's a dubbed version, I'll totally watch a dubbed version of it, but subbed, I just, <laughs> Subtitles just kill me. 
And I don't want to get I don't want to get someone snarky and they're going, it's because you gotta read. It's not because I gotta read. <laughs> it's because I'll sit there and read it, and it's just like I feel like I'm going back and forth, and I want to be dialed in on what's going on on screen. I well, I agree with that. Um, for the most part. I can deal with subtitles, but when it's movies like this, it, it goes back to what I said a second ago. This movie is not crazy dialogue heavy. And right. because there's not a ton of dialogue, I feel like that's more over, more than artsy and more than kind of being pretentious or whatever else. I feel like this movie is shot the way it's shot because there's not a ton of dialogue and because they know that you're going to be reading most of, most of the time and they don't want right. you reading most of the time they want right. you to be able to pick up on the emotions and what they're trying to say just by watching the film rather than being focused on what these guys are saying all the time um, i do feel like you could watch this movie without the subtitles and still know exactly what's going on yeah i agree um so my rating i don't think this is going to come as a shock to you at all um this movie is this is exactly my kind of movie. It's artsy. It's It's got a little bit of horror in there, just a little bit. There's not a ton of violence or sex or any of that stuff that you mm. usually find in hardcore horror movies. Um, but there is some of that in here. Um, for me, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a, this is a, perf- yeah. this is a perfect movie for me. Um, this, uh, this is along with darling and stuff like that. Uh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. The cinematography is phenomenal. The framing in every shot, every single shot is awesome. There are some shots in here where I was like, that could be straight out of the sixties and I would never know. Like, and I would never, never, ever know. Um, the, the lighting is phenomenal, but again, you, you have to have your lighting dialed if you're going to shoot in black and white and, (laughs) and if you don't have your lighting dialed and you're shooting in black and white, it's going to look terrible. There are some points here and there where it's a little too contrasty, um, Mm -hmm. like almost to the point where you kind of can't tell what's going on, but I feel like that's almost done on purpose. Um, I feel like the characters are good. I think the script is phenomenal and the ending for me, when he decides I can get over her having killed my dad, even though he's not 100% on it. And even though they never touch on her being a vampire ever, it's just sort of coincidental. The, the last shot in this film with the taillights and them driving off into the distance is so perfect. Uh, it's the perfect way to end this film. And I think everything just works and there are a couple scenes here and there that don't need to be in there but i can overlook that because the overall product is so strong and Mm -hmm. i am kind of bummed i had not seen this before but but there is a reason i bought this movie and have had it on my shelf for so long because i had heard nothing but good things about it um you know there are some people that i have seen review this film before that are kind of kind of where you're coming from, where this is like a six or a seven, where this is a little too pretentious. It's a little too art housey. It's a little too up its own, but it's serving, it's serving the director only almost at certain times. Um, (laughs) but the balloon shot, the balloon scene, that that balloon scene is just, it's on the nose of what bothers me about (laughs) art house. It's like, I'm glad this meant something to you, but it is not the director's movie. Yeah. It's the movie of people who enjoy it. But because the overall product is so strong and I feel like there, I, I didn't expect this to be a love story. And because mm-hmm. 
there's this love story buried in this, uh, you know, in the setup. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I could not ask for anything better. So this for me is a 10 out of 10. So give star Wars an eight. Well, I mean, you know, shut up. Nope. Stop. Don't do it. it. You only live 15 minutes away. I will drag you outside. I will drag you outside. I know how much you love being out there. So, okay. Um, I do feel like we could continue to have another half hour conversation about this, but we have gone, uh, we're sitting in an hour 40 with this unedited right now. So, so we're sitting in an hour. Uh, no, this is probably going to be like an hour <laughs> 20, scared. an hour 30 long episode. Again, ah. I keep trying to make these episodes an hour long, but it just keeps not working. Cause we are both very long winded and both like to talk a lot. So yeah. Um, yeah. We like to hear ourselves talk and that's okay. But with that being said, I think we're going to call that here for today. If you like this, make sure you give us a thumbs up. If you really like this, make sure you hit the subscribe button and, or the follow button on Spotify or whatever else. Um, because we do these episodes quite often and we always try to choose films that we have differing opinions on for the most part. And it, I think it lends itself to better conversation. I was really worried you were going to like this too much. Um, I really thought like after I watched it, I was like, Oh no, this is like, this is like a camera guys movie. It really is. And it's so, a camera guy's movie, but there's several elements of it that are just, yeah, or, or it's like, it's like, yeah. that's not just camera shit right. stuff. So I, I was, I was a little worried that you were going to like this a little too much and that we weren't going to be able to have the type of conversation we just had, but it didn't work out that way. So we really do try to pick films that we have differing opinions on and, um, and we do these quite often. So hopefully you guys are digging what we're doing here. If you got all the way to the end of this, we super thank you. You are the type of person we are making these podcasts for. Um, Thanks. So thank you guys for watching so much. And we will see you guys next time on From the Deep. Stay tuned for Muppets in Space. Oh, Lord. Bye. Bye. <laughs>